It's an incredibly simple truth. You all know it. Your stomach is not bottomless. It's not. Now, if you're a, a kid or a teenager, maybe it feels like it is sometimes, and trust me, I fondly remember the days, but my advice to you is enjoy it while you can because it doesn't always last. Your stomach is not bottomless. You can't, you can't just keep eating and never stop. It, it doesn't expand to, to fill everything you could ever possibly want. And so you've got to be careful. When you go to uh, Golden Corral over off Cherry Road, or I never quite get the name right. I think it's Big Boy's Country Cooking on the other side of Rock Hill. You've got to be careful when you go. Like, because you go and you have a plan because you want all the things. You want to try everything. But you know you can't fit everything, and so you have a plan. You're going to go in. You're going to have small portion sizes, and you're going to get, you're going to get this first, and you're not going to, because you want it all. You want the cherry pie and the blueberry cobbler, and, and also you want salad, because otherwise you just feel bad about yourself, and, and you'd feel guilty. You want the fried onion rings and all the other fried things, but you also want the teriyaki steak, and you can't miss the fondue. And then there's the barbecue and the hush puppies, and like you get the picture. You want all of it, and you've got a plan. You know the order in which you're going to eat things. You're not going to take too much. And you've even kind of been training your stomach. Um, you've been filling it up and emptying it out, and it, you, know, you, you looked into how, how professional, um, professional bodybuilders do that and all that stuff. You, you, like, you, you, you did research, and then you go, and you're prepared. You're going to leave full, but not stuffed and not sick. You've got a plan. And then you eat your first, your first plate, and you get that dessert, because you can't leave without dessert. And then it hits you. You can't do anymore. And you feel full, but you don't feel satisfied, because you left a lot out there on the field. You missed out. You didn't get any barbecue, any hush puppies, nor did you get the salad. And so you just missed out on everything, because your stomach is not bottomless. Neither is your soul. Your soul is not bottomless. So the question is, what are you eating? What does your consumption look like spiritually? What is there room for in your soul? What, what did you leave that you wish you had? But you can't fill it in because your soul is not bottomless. These are the types of things Jesus causes us to think about today as we look at his words and his actions from John chapter 6. Now, if you're following along, just so you know, I cut it down from going to verse 40 just to verse 35. Um, but we're in John 6, 25 to 35, and this happens right where we left off last week after Jesus fed the 5,000 families, and then he walked on water and the disciples ended up on the other side of the lake the people whom he fed were looking for him. They realized he wasn't there, so they went across the lake to find him. And that is where we pick it up. With verse 25 and 26 and 27, I'm going to read the text throughout the sermon today. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, which just means teacher, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal 
of approval. I think it'd be frustrating talking to Jesus because he doesn't answer the questions. He didn't say a, a word about when he got there or how they got there. He just spoke straight into the people's heart and he said, forget that. You just want another meal. That's why you're here. He said, you're looking for me, not because of the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and were full. They weren't hungry for Jesus. They were hungry for the things that they thought Jesus would give them. And did you notice, Jesus didn't say, you saw the miracle that I did. He said, you, you saw the sign, but, but you missed it. Because they missed, this is key, they missed that it wasn't just a miracle, it was a sign. And a sign, what does it do? It always points to something else. They were after Jesus for his miracles, which were for them, but Jesus was doing miracles, as he always did, as a sign to point to something greater. And if you get stuck looking at the sign, you miss the thing that the sign points to, which is always better. Like, think of it this way. Say you love going up to the mountains in fall and driving the Blue Ridge Parkway because it's so beautiful. So you go up there in fall when the leaves are in full color and you get there and then you see the sign. I don't know if there's a sign, but let's imagine there's a sign entering the Blue Ridge Parkway. And the people you're with, like, you, you get out and you want to take a picture with the sign because that's what you always do. And then it just makes you so happy that you say to everyone else, oh, I love this sign. I, I'm just going to stay right here. We're not even going to drive on the Blue Ridge Parkway at all. We're going to stay right here. They would look at you and say, what? what? Like, we're not here for the sign. Sure, it's nice and all, but we're here to drive down this beautiful road. The sign is like, its nothing compared to that. But you, you hunker down. You say, nope, I'm all about the sign. That'd be silly. And you'd be missing out on the real beauty to which the sign points. And that is what Jesus is saying here. The people were hung up on the sign because they didn't realize the sign was pointing to something else. They thought the sign, the miracle, was it. And that's what they came to Jesus for. But Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. This makes perfect sense because when you go to the store, you don't grab the rotten tomato or the spoiled food. You grab the one that's not yet spoiled. If you're going to buy a house, you don't get the one with all the rotted wood. If you're buying a car and there's two of them that are the same model, same price, you don't get the one that you know has a spoiled engine and transmission. You get the one that will endure for as long as it possibly can. And Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils. And here, he's alluding to the fact that everything in this world spoils. And he's speaking this to the people because he knows that you and the people he was talking to, you are not your body. You are not your mind. The heart of you is not even your heart. The heart of you is your soul. And your soul is the only thing that endures. In this whole world, every single thing spoils. Your body, every relationship you have, everything, every person, it all spoils. So Jesus says, don't work for, don't focus on, don't just go and consume things that spoil. That, that would also make no sense. Work for food that endures to eternal life. And the people 
it seems like they're, they're getting it because they ask in verse 28. Uh, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And they were excited, like, Jesus, give us a list. But they weren't expecting this. Because those people, they were so law-oriented. They loved checking off the to-do lists, um, finishing the tasks that God had given them to do. And there were a lot of them. They even added extra tasks. They loved them so much because they thought that's what merited them gifts from God. They were so law-oriented. They loved getting the raise. They loved earning the gold star. And by the way, our hearts are oriented like that as well, naturally. They didn't get it when Jesus said, hey, to satisfy your hunger for God's love and approval, don't check off the boxes of, of the Ten Commandments. Don't look to that. Like Jesus knew they couldn't even do the Ten Commandments on their best day, and neither can we. No, he said to satisfy your soul's hunger, which lasts forever, you're always going to be hungry for God's love and approval. To satisfy that hunger, no, simply look to the one whom God sent to be your Savior. Don't look to your good works. Look to his perfection. Look to Jesus' righteousness, which completely wraps around you. And so when God sees you, he approves of you because he sees his son's perfection. But they did not get that. They didn't get it. It was totally new to them. And so they demanded more from Jesus. They asked him, this is verse 30, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Now they understood signs, or they thought they did. They said, do something that's a sign of why we should trust you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They were saying, Jesus. I mean, feeding 5,000 families is amazing, but that's only 5,000 families, and you just did it for one meal. Moses, he fed 2 million people for 40 years. So uh, if you're going to say something that makes us think the law that Moses gave is not what satisfies our spiritual hunger, well then, Jesus, you're going to have to do something else. So what are you going to do? But Jesus, uh, he gave them a history lesson. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus was saying, like, as they tried to lay out a contract for him with terms and conditions, they say, Jesus, you do this, then we'll do this. It's like they thought they were the masters and Jesus was just there to make their lives neat and pretty and however they wanted. But Jesus gave them a history lesson and said, hey, it wasn't actually Moses who gave you the food. It, it was God who gave the food through Moses. And that food that Moses gave for 40 years, it was amazing. It was amazing. It sustained them for 40 years. But this true bread, the bread I give, it sustains you forever. And that bread was great. It sustained you physically. It sustained them bodily. But this bread that I give you, your body, it's going to spoil someday. And so will all physical food. But this bread that I give, it sustains you forever. 
spiritually. It sustains your soul, which lasts to eternity. And they said, give us this bread. They wanted it. And then Jesus dropped the bomb. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And that right there is what caused all the people to leave Jesus at the end of the chapter, as we heard earlier. Because Jesus didn't say, I can give you the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. And they didn't like that. Because it wasn't what they had learned. And it took all, uh, it took all the merit, the possibility of merit off of them and said, you don't, you don't get any credit. All the credit goes to the one who is the bread. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that, so they all left. In those days, bread was the staple food. And Jesus was saying, I am your staple, and I must be your staple food. The author C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he said this. He said, do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And then he went on, if love is to be a blessing, not a misery, it must be for the only capital B beloved who will never pass away. Jesus was saying, I am the bread that will sustain your soul completely for all eternity. I am the only bread you cannot lose. Um, so, if you base your happiness on your career or the, your job or the things you accomplish, then what happens when a global pandemic hits and you lose your job, you lose your career? Or what happens when, when you're in your 60s and you just don't have the skills you used to? You can't do the things you used to do. Or they try to kick you out the door because they want someone younger. If your happiness is based in what you do or your career or your accomplishments, then you're, you're completely undone. Or if you base your happiness um, on your children, they're the ones you can't do without, or on a different relationship, then what happens when, when disease or tragedy strikes and takes that relationship away from you? Or what if that person just grows away from you or stops loving you or liking you? If your relationship, if your happiness is based on that, then, then you're completely, completely undone. But if you base your happiness on Jesus, he's the only one that will never pass away. And now you have something that you can not lose. If Jesus really is what he says, if he really is the bread of life, then our deepest hunger is truly satisfied. If Jesus really is the bread of life, and by the way, he is, then you and I, we have unlimited love and acceptance and value and worth because God's love never runs out. And we have unlimitless worth because Jesus decided to give up his own life so he could have you. That's how much you are worth and that's how much your value is to him and it has nothing to do with you and me. 
he looked at you and he didn't say, oh, that's a pretty good person. It's someone who checks some of the boxes, so I'm going to die for that person. No, he saw us how we could never fulfill all the checkboxes that he gives us, any of the commandments, and he said, I still love that person. That's how much inherent value you have, not because of you, but because of him. Don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. Let your value and your worth depend on the only thing you can't lose, which is God's love and God's acceptance. If Jesus is the bread of life, and he is, then all of that love and acceptance and value and worth is yours and your souls, not just for 40 years or a day, but for all eternity. Another pastor He said it this way a number of years ago. He said, to the degree that your life is full of worry, it's to the degree that something other than Jesus is the bread of your life. He said, to the degree that you're angry about something, especially in an ongoing way, to the degree that you're angry is the degree to which Jesus is not the true bread of your life. To the degree that you're unhappy, that's the degree to which Jesus is not the true bread of your life. But when Jesus is your bread, then he's your staple. Then he is the delight and the fullness of your heart. And and then you will have a foundation to sustain you, not just for a meal or for 40 years, but for your entire life and even longer, for all eternity. Because the, the satisfaction of your soul, which is what you really need, that lasts beyond the end of this life. That's what Jesus promised. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And now, I want to give you three real quick applications to close. Number one, what are you eating? What are you consuming? Like, I'd tell you this might sound a little odd, but write it down sometime this week. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you spending your time doing? And then when you see the list, ask yourself the critical and very difficult question, are any of these things the plate of fried onion rings that is keeping me from being able to consume the bread of life? What are you filling your life and your soul with? Maybe it's time to cut something out or to reprioritize so that you're not left full of other things without room for the true bread of life. That's number one. Number two is when you're unhappy or angry or worried, stop and ask yourself, what is the true bread of my life? What am I looking to for ultimate satisfaction of my eternal desires? And number three, and I'm going to address this to moms, but it really applies to all of us. Moms, you can't be the true bread that satisfies all the desires of your children's souls. You can't be that. 
no one can be for another person. Even though your loving hearts want to be. Only Jesus can be the true bread that satisfies any of our souls. So moms and everyone else, keep on feeding your children and feeding all the people in your life with Jesus, the true bread. Amen.